How many of you were, were, were in a series in the book of James looking at authentic faith and what does that really look like? What does a mature believer in Christ look like? And that, that's really what the book of James does is James goes through his letter to struggling Christians. Uh, he writes to them, this is what it looks like. This is the practicality of what a, a follower of Christ uh, uh, looks like. And we're going to we're going to today we're going to talk about accountability, just being accountable for your life. How many of you um, something happened in your life? Maybe not a, a great thing. It's it's the it's the hard things that that this may be hard for us to do. How many of you had to put your name on something like you like you had to own up to it? how many of you know when when you do something well, you want to make sure your name is on it so that people recognize, oh, you're the one that did that. Yeah, I'm it. I, I'm the one. So you could raise your hand. How many have done something not so good and you had to put your name on it? Now, now let, let me just, uh, we have a mailbox in the front of our yard that it must be, it must be a magnet for cars to hit it. Now, we're, we're on like a cul-de-sac. It's not like you can, it's easy to miss. I don't know why it's, it's gotten hit three times, but I refuse to buy a new mailbox. So I've got this thing jerry-rigged up and it's still working. Well, the first time it got hit, nobody put their name on it. And I know who did do it. It was uh, somebody from the post office, okay? But they didn't put their name on it. Second time it got hit, it was from a neighbor. They put their name on it. They, In fact, they felt so guilty about it that they knew I was a pastor in town here, that they tracked me down at church in my office to tell me that they hit my mailbox. And, and I said, I said, that's fine. It's already gotten hit once. I'll go home. I'll look at it. And she goes, well, we want to pay for another one. And they were, felt so bad about it. And they were so gracious and blah, blah, blah. I said, that's okay. So um, I was uh, able to, to fix it. And um, it's, it's an older, older couple, retired couple, and I was able to figure, they go, you sure don't? I go, no, I don't want any money because I know, I know, I got three kids. I know somewhere down the line, I'm going to have to take you up on something that my kids or I'm going to do to your yard. So I always want you to remember the mailbox, okay? <laughs> just, 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 just got that in my holster, got that in my back pocket. I can remember... Uh, being in junior high in seventh grade at Dake Middle School in West Ronacoit. And um, it was study hall time, and Miss Kim was late coming to study hall. So my friend and I, Steve Hamill, had this great idea. It was also the orchestra room or the choir room, and so it was kind of tiered up. And there was a piano there with the wheels on the piano so you could move it around. Well, Steve Hamill and I had this great idea to use the piano as a go-kart. So we thought, let's race and see. And the, the clock in the room had a second hand. So we we're going to see who could move the piano across the room faster. Well, we were waiting for Miss Kim. To, why I remember her name, I have no idea. There's some things I just remember, and then I can't remember my wife's name. So it's just weird like that. So I'm pushing this piano across the room, and I, Steve did it first, and I wanted to beat him. So I'm pushing it. All of a sudden, I push it too hard, and the piano tipped over, and you heard this big Boom! And all of a sudden, all the kids in the room were like, and so we all got back into our seats, and Miss Kim walked in, and the first thing she went is, who did this? 
And of course, everybody put, no, everybody was just, and so somebody had to put their name on it, right? Somebody had to do it. She goes, who did this? And so I said, I'm, I, everybody saw me do it. It's going to, so I, I raised my hand and I said, I said, Miss Kim, it was Steve Hamill who did it. So I just want to let you know that it was him who did it. No, I, I, I put my name on it and I, of course, Steve got in trouble, too, because he, he admitted he was doing it, too. So we had to go to the, the, the principal's office, and, and I don't even remember what happened. I don't think we got in real big trouble. I think I was only expelled for, like, four weeks, but it was okay. I mean, no, I don't remember. We didn't get in that much trouble, but, but uh, I never did, did, that, did that again, at least for that week. I'd Probably something else I did. But how many of you know it's hard to put your name on something that you've done wrong. And, and this is what we're going to get into in, in, in this part of, of James at the end of, end of chapter 1 is, is about accountability. I, I think one of the things that's hard for us to do as Christians is take responsibility for our lives. And, and what James does in, in this latter half of chapter 1 is he says, listen, we need to take responsibility for our maturity in Jesus Christ. We need to be able to take ownership of our life if we're going to truly grow in maturity. And so, you know, if I had a title, this mess, I would just say, you need to be able to put your name on it. You, you need to be able to take responsibility for your life. So let's put our name on it. Let, let's take responsibility for our Christian walk. Let's not blame it on our parents for not taking us to church or let's not blame it on whether or not, you know, this, 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 this is totally not in my notes. So I'm just going to share it with you, 830 folks. This is one thing that I think irritates me more than anything else when I hear a Christian say something like this, whether it's about preaching or another pastor or another church, when they say something like, I just don't feel like I'm getting fed. Put your name on it. Listen, is it up to me, or is it up to the preacher on TV, or the podcast you listen to? It's up to us to mature in the Lord. Can I get an amen? People listen. If we're not growing in the Lord, if we're not taking, don't don't blame it on somebody else. Don't blame it on your parents. Don't blame it on me. Don't blame it on, you know, the books you're reading or whatever, whatever it is. Listen, we have to take responsibility for our own spiritual walk with God. If, we, if it doesn't start there, you're going to have a very shallow relationship with Jesus Christ. So let's take ownership. So let's see what, let's see what James says here. James chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 12 through 15. I'm going to read from the ESV version. Okay. And let's see what it says here. Starting in verse 12, it said, James says here to these listeners, James is the, remember we talked about this, is, is the uh, brother of, of Jesus, and he got saved after Jesus' resurrection. He was a leader in the Jerusalem church, became a martyr for Christ, church tradition tells us. And so James is just on fire, wants to see uh, believers in, in Christ follow and serve Jesus, their Lord and Savior, with all their hearts. So he's really telling them his heartbeat about what it truly means to be an authentic, mature Christian in the Lord. So he says this, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, 
I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Listen what he says here in verse 14. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his, what? Own desires. Then those desires, when it's conceived, gives birth to what? Sin. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Now, now, what, what, what's happening here is, is what James is saying is, it, it's, it's really many times the bent of our heart to blame someone else. It, it was no different in the garden with Adam and Eve, right? The, the Eve blamed the serpent and, and Adam blamed Eve and everybody blamed each other for all their own actions, right? That, it started from the beginning of mankind. It's no different from today. It, it, what he's saying is we need to take responsibility for our lives and not blame sin on anyone else but ourselves. So he's saying, listen, the bent of our life is, is to tend to blame someone else. So the essence of this passage is about accountability. It's taking ownerships. It's taking ownership of our shortcomings. It's not, it's not society's fault. It's my fault. It, it, this, it, we've gotten so ridiculous now because of lawsuits that companies have to go overboard to protect themselves against lawsuits. Now I'm drinking, I like, I like McDonald's coffee and I'm drinking McDonald's coffee and on the side of the cup it says, very hot. Can someone say with me, duh? Really? Is that, is that where we've gotten to now? That we have, because somebody spilled hot coffee on themselves and sued McDonald's because the coffee was hot. Who's to blame there? Isn't coffee supposed to be hot? Right? Do I need a label on the side that says hot? Okay? We've gotten crazy people out there because of lawsuits that we've got to try to protect ourselves because we live in a no-fault society. It's not my fault. It's not my fault that the coffee is hot. So what is James saying here? James is saying, listen... Our sin and our temptation, we should not blame God. And we can make excuses. It was, if it wasn't for this, I wouldn't have done that. If it, if it wasn't for that person, I wouldn't have acted that way. If it wasn't for bad drivers, I wouldn't have lost my patience. If, you know, if, 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 uh, if it wasn't for bad drivers, I wouldn't lose my patience. I put that one in for you guys. Because I know how you guys drive, right? Um, If you would just act the right way, I wouldn't have gotten angry. If you, if you would just change, I wouldn't be the way I am. See, whether it's marital counseling or, or getting people to get along, the hardest thing to admit is I have my part in this. The hardest thing to admit is I have my part in this. I heard one pastor, uh, when he does marital counseling, he has the couples do this. He, he would have them draw a big circle and then have the couple draw a slice that would represent their part or their fault in the relationship. So you draw a big circle and then he would say, okay, now make the slice, whether it's a quarter or a half or three quarters, just make the slice that you feel that you've contributed to the problems that you're facing. And he says 100% of the time, 
they would never draw a slice. Why? Because if you draw the slice, you have to be nice. Right? If you admit that it's part of your fault, right? Now you're putting your name on it, right? You're taking ownership of it. And we live in a no-fault society because I want, and that's what happens when I get two people together. It's always like they want to talk about those. I go, listen, listen, time out. They're not here. We're going to talk about you. Why didn't come here to talk about me? Because it's the other person. We got to get them straightened out. I said, no, no, no. Before, they're not here to defend. We're going to talk about you and what needs to change. Well, that becomes a totally different, right? Because now you got to put your name on it. You got to admit that maybe, just maybe, you got a little sliver in there, right? See, this is what he stopped playing. got real quiet in here. Guys are really like, Pastor, I could have slept in this morning, okay? Be nice, okay? So listen, let's, let's look at how we can take responsibility and accountability before God for our spiritual lives. I'm not, I'm not talking about your spouse or your kids or anybody else. I'm talking about you. How can we, because this is what James, this is the core of the passage here. How can we take responsibility for our uh, spiritual lives? So let me just give you, I'm going to give you two quick things here this morning. And we're going to be done. So let me, let me just give you a couple things here that I, I want to hit home with you that hopefully will help you to further your walk with the Lord so that you can become more mature so you don't have these stumbling blocks in, in your life. Because I think for a lot of us, what keeps us from growing in the Lord is not other people, it's us. It's the roadblocks that we place before ourselves that keeps us from growing in maturity. So a couple things here. Let me just give you a couple things here real quick. First of all, listen, if you're going to grow and, and take responsibility for your maturity in Jesus Christ... You have to have a right perception of yourself. Write that down. You have to have a right perception of yourself. Let, let, me, let, me see, let me throw this out at you and see if it sticks. Okay? Now, here's the issue. We are always more lenient on ourselves than we are with other people. Okay, if you don't say amen, I'm going to make you say amen because it's true, right? We're always more lenient upon ourselves and other people. We, we, we are much more inclined to show ourselves more grace than other people, right? I, I guarantee, I'm, I'll point the finger at me, I guarantee my wife Kathleen almost hit the mailbox once, right? So it's just a demonic mailbox. I've tried to lay hands on it. It's hard. It's just a demonic mailbox. My wife, but I guarantee if she hit it, right, I'd probably be much more harder on Kathleen than if I hit it, Right? Huh? We, we're, we, we're just there. We, we, that's the, the inclination of our heart. So we, we, we have to be careful how much we trust ourselves. Because here, here's the problem. As much as, as much as we need to encourage each other, as much as we need to validate each other, we live in a world that tells us how special we are, that we are all unique, and we all have potential to do great things. Now, while that may be true... Um, and that's wonderful and that you're all a snowflake and you're all individuals and you're wonderful and, you know, you're special, right? We all have, I, I love, we had a banquet for, for Wesley's um, uh, basketball, for his JV basketball. And I love the coach, a strong Christian man, gave a great, uh, great message, but he handed out the awards. And he goes, listen, not everybody's going to get an award. 
these awards are for those that achieved on the JV team. He goes, not everyone's going to get an award. And he goes, I know that's controversial, but he goes, and I just stood up and said, Man, brother, come on, preach it. I liked it. And not everyone's going to get one. They did give out superlatives and funny things, and it was really a nice, nice banquet. But not everyone got an award, and I'm glad that he said that. Not, not everyone's going to achieve. Not everyone's going to be the best, right? Amen? Are you here, 830 group? Are we together? Okay, just, I'm, I hope everybody's mad at me now. That's a, I love you. It's okay. I love you. We're going to work through this together, right? So, but here's the thing. As special as... As everyone is, and, and we need to encourage each other and validate that that's wonderful. Um, we need to realize that I've got to take a close inventory in my own life. Because while that might be true, I also have the potential to do not so good things. And, and I've got to realize that about myself. As much as I have the potential to make a great marriage, I also have the potential to destroy it. As much as I have the potential to help the church and blessed, I also have the potential to bring division. Now, now so, so we have to be careful. Let's get a good perception of ourselves. As, as much as I have the potential to do great things for God, I also have the potential to do evil. And so I've got to know that about my heart. I've got to guard that about myself. Because the minute I get a wrong perception about myself, uh, the minute humility goes out the window. And in the minute I fall in my own pride. And so that's why you, we've got to guard our hearts here about knowing that I need to have a right perception about myself. Now, I'm not talking about beating yourself up in some self-loathing way that makes you feel more holy. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, that's a wrong way to do it because that's not turning to God and allowing him to make you a new creation in Christ and allowing him to do the work in your heart. You're just beating yourself up to try to make yourself feel better. And that's not... That's not a gospel way of doing it. That's not what Christ desires us to do. He wants us to humble ourselves before him. And then Christ lifts us up. He gives us his grace. Our identity now doesn't come from my past. My identity now comes in Christ no matter what I've done in the past. Now I identify myself with Christ and I become a new creation. Amen? That's all done through Christ, not me. Not by beating myself up or trying to become a better person. It all comes through Christ. And so what James is saying, we all have the potential to be led away and enticed. No matter how close you think that you are to God, remember this, Jesus was tempted. No matter how godly you think you are, no matter how much you read your Bible, how much time you go to church, or how spiritual you think you are, just remember this, Jesus was tempted. And so what this, when I have the right perception about myself that I have just as much potential to do godly things as I do to, to do evil things, when I have that right perception about myself, it propels me towards accountability. It propels me towards the Lord. See, now here's the bright side of all this, that, that God can still use me in spite of some of the ugly things in my heart, in spite of maybe something I, didn't, I thought about this week that wasn't so godly, Right? I mean, we, we, we lose our temper at time, we think ungodly things, whatever it might be, and when we come to the Lord and we repent before those things, God cleanses us, and thank God He still uses us, right? He just doesn't give up on us, because we've made mistakes. That's God's grace. Amen? Thank God for His grace. So, so the first thing is, let's have a right perception of our heart, that we can all be tempted, that we all can be led astray, that none of us are beyond doing something. To, and see, and this is the thing, I, I know 
many of us, when we hear of a, maybe a godly leader that has fallen, we're like, oh, I can't believe that that person fell before the Lord or fell from grace. Not me. Not me. Because why? Anybody can fall from grace. We're all human. We, we're, we can all be led astray by sin if we are not careful. So that shouldn't surprise any of us when those things happen. In fact, what it should do is cause us to pray and to say, God, by your grace, restore them. And, and may you guard my heart. Even, even Paul warns us that when someone stumbles and falls from grace and falls in his sin, he says, you are spiritual, restore them. But he gives us this warning. He goes, but guard your own heart so that you don't fall into the same sin. Isn't that interesting? So Paul gives, a, Paul gives us a warning there about how to restore people that have fallen. And then he says, but you are spiritual and you're restoring that person. Make sure that you guard your own heart too, that you're not enticed and led away also. So what's the second thing here? So let, let's take right inventory of our hearts. Let's have right perception of our heart. The second thing is, is we need to know what our weaknesses are. Know what your weaknesses are. Are. Now, now, when I understand that I can't trust myself, that I have the potential to fail like anyone else, it causes me to take a clearer look at myself and my weaknesses. So let me give you a couple things here. Um, first of all, no one is above temptation. All of us have weaknesses in our lives. We, we are all led astray when we give in to our wrong desires. And, and here's the thing that, that James says, we, we can't blame ourselves because of this. We, we, can't, we, we can't say, well, it's this person's fault or society's fault, it's my parents' fault. Listen, we've got to take responsibility for our desires and for our weaknesses when we are led astray. Now, I want you to notice the word structure that James uses here. He says, when we are tempted and lured away by our own desires. See, what, what James is saying is put your name on it. It's not, it's not the world's fault, right? Because we can, we can easily, well, if it wasn't for the world, and if it wasn't for this, and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be tempted. James makes it very clear that you are lured away by your own desires. We can't blame TV, our friends, the alcohol, or the internet, we are lured away because that desire... Now, if you're going to write anything else in your notes, write this down. We've got to get this right. You have to get this right. We are not lured away because of those things. We are lured because the desire is already in us. Thank you, one person. Okay, listen. The desire is already there. It, it, it didn't come from the TV. It didn't come from the demon booze, right? It didn't come from the internet. The desire was already in there. And what happened is these things awoke the lion, right? They awoken that desire. And that's what James says. Then it's awoke, and then all of a sudden it leads to what? Sin. Ripping out your internet and taking the TV and burning it in your backyard is going to do nothing for you. Besides burn up your TV and ripping out the internet. What's the problem? The problem is not this, right? The problem is this. The problem is your heart. 
And I think what we end up doing as Christians is we too easily like to slap the sin sticker on everything. What TV? But that's a sin. Put the sticker on that one. Alcohol! That's a sin. Don't get near it. Movies? Woo! Sin. TV? Sin, 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 sin. And you even go near a movie theater, guess what you are? A sinner. That's what you are. Right? You got a TV in your house? Sinner. Because that's a sin. we, We too easily label things and we say, that's a sin, that's a sin. And then if you get near those things, then you're a sinner. Listen, I, I was sad to say, I was kind of brought up in that type of philosophy. I was. Sad to say, I was kind of brought up that way. And um, thank God I still got saved, amen, through all that malarkey. But sad to say, I was raised in kind of that philosophy. So I was always looking out and saying, well, that's a sin. I should okay, ooh, ooh, what is that? Is that sin? Okay, I can't. I can walk because I want to get near that because, you know, listen, what leads you astray is what's already in here. Those things are what feed the desire which is already in you. You, sorry about the grammar, you make you sin. Do you hear me? You make you sin. Not the TV. Now, now let me, let me, before I get emails, are there bad things on the internet? You better believe it. Is it the number one cesspool for pornography? You better believe it. The bad things on TV? You better believe it. Okay? But what makes it evil? What makes it evil is what's coming out of it. What makes you sin is what you place your desires on. Right? Now, now let, me, let, me, let me just go the other side. Some of you, for a time, you may need to put those things away. Because they are stumbling blocks for you. Not because it's the TV that's the sin or the internet, but you know that's a source of a stumbling block for your life. So for a time, you may need to remove those things out of your life because you don't want to tempt yourself with those things because you know the proclivity of your heart. Can I get an amen there? So, so you want to make sure, hey, I'm going to have to eliminate some things out of my life because I know that those are stumbling blocks. So whether it's alcohol, TV, I don't care what the thing is, if you need to eliminate those things and abstain from those things because you know that those things are enticing you to lead you away, and I'm going to talk about what, what James means by enticing, then you need to do that in your life. So, so for you, you may need to, if there are stumbling blocks in your life, you need to just eliminate it. Eliminate it out of your life and just abstain from it. Not that those things within themselves are the sin, the TV or the air, but, but what can come out of them can be. And if you know that they're a stumbling block in your life, then I would by all means say to you, eliminate those things out of your life. Because if you know they're a stumbling block, you know they're your weakness, then I would eliminate those things to do everything to guard your heart. Amen? So that's okay. That's okay. So what did, what did James mean by the word entice? Well, the word entice there is very interesting because what it literally means is it means to bait a hook. And when there's ever a fishing illustration, I'm going to jump all over it like white on rice, okay? So here's my fishing illustration because I love to fish. This is what he literally means. To, To be enticed means to literally bait a hook. Fishing... If, if you're a fisher, fisher person out there, men or woman, if, if you love to fish, it's all about enticing the fish to go for the bait. 
What the fish doesn't know is what's behind the bait, which is the hook, which symbolizes sin, James says. So I'm going to do a little demonstration for you. I brought some bait in today. This is my favorite lure for bass fishing, thanks to Ira Jones. He got me hooked on this type of uh, fishing with these lures. This is a plastic worm. This is the Gary Yadamoto custom bait, which is the best in the world. Okay, so this is a plastic worm. They call this a wacky worm. And what's neat about this type of... So I'm going to give you a secret here. If you, if you want to catch bass, you're like, Pastor, I cannot catch bass. I'm going to give you a secret because Ira told me this little secret. And Wesley and I catch so much bass now. So I'm just going to let you guys in on the secret. It's going to cost you. You've got to leave $10 at the door when you walk out, Okay. But you will catch so much bass this way. Here's, here's, here's what James is saying. Here's the bait. It's the, it's the worm, okay? The plastic worm. Here's the hook. This is a finesse hook. It's a wide gap hook. It's great for catching bass. And what you do is you hook it right down the middle. And when you cast, it's more finesse fishing. So when you cast it, when the worm goes in the water, it just kind of floats down. And the bass sees it, and it just nails it. Wesley and I, we, at the beginning of the bass season last year, we're going to count how many bass that we're going to catch. We lost count after like 80 bass. We caught so many last year from our ponds to fishing to this. We caught so many, we lost count. This is the best way. Number two hook, finesse gap, Gary Yadamoto, right there. Go to wherever you want to go, online, Bass Pro, Dicks, get it. You, I guarantee you will catch bass this summer. Okay, that was a freebie for you. Boy, you're glad you came here if you're a fisher person, right? You're glad. See, but here's the deal. If there is the hook, it's not going to catch any fish. I tried. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. You can try all you want. ain't going to work. What catches the fish is the bait. And see, what Satan does is the hook is sin. Satan just didn't say, here I am, I'm going to cause you to sin. You're like, okay, Satan, good try, but it's not going to work. No, he's, he's more smarter than that, isn't he? What he uses is he uses the bait to lure you and to entice you in the areas of your weakness until you grab the bait. And once you grab the bait and you begin to give in to temptation, the hook is sin, and that's what hooks you into it. And that's exactly what James is talking about here. He's saying, listen, the, the, the fish don't go for the hook. They bite the bait. The bait, what it does is it hides something that will eventually hurt us. It looks great at face value, but what we don't see is how it will hurt us. I like what Warren Worsby says here. He says, the bait keeps us from seeing the consequences of sin. The bait. We, we look at something. Oh, that looks so attractive. That won't hurt me. That's not a big idea. Uh, it, it, it won't bother me. Uh, I can have that conversation with that woman at work. And that's all right. We're just friends. We can go out to lunch. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Here it is. Satan's just dangling the bait in front of you until you grab it. So let's be careful here. Let's be careful that we know what our weaknesses are, that we're allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to convict us about the areas of our weaknesses so that we know that we're not going to be led astray. So listen, let me wrap this all up. Let me put a neat bow on this whole message as, as we just finish this. Do everything to guard your heart. 
We need to get rid of those things that would cause us to stumble so that we can be accountable. But listen, but if my heart is not changed, then I can circumvent all those things. Dealing with sin, as I said before, is not necessarily about throwing at your TV, even though you may need to do that, or getting rid of the internet, even though you may need to do that for a time. But the root of that sin starts in your heart. It starts there. And so James says, if that desire is not corralled, it will conceive and eventually give birth to sin, which eventually ends up in death. So let me be totally honest with you right now. You see, we can have a life that is void of any kind of temptation. We could all go to Montana, live on a ranch, have nothing out there, no stumbling blocks, and just live in this wonderful utopia where we're not going to be tempted by anything in the world. How many know we live in the world? And there's no way that you're going to avoid things and temptation when you're in the world. The problem here is, I think with many Christians, is that we can get rid of all these things, internet, alcohol, all these things that that can easily control us. And we can feel like we overcome all those things. But the problem is, if sin is still in my heart then I'm still a sinner. You see, it's not sin management. You, 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 you can stop sinning, like doing sinful things, but still have sin in your heart. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? You, you can get rid of all those things in your life, but then you can still, if you're not careful, have sin in your heart because you've not dealt with it. You may have dealt with the surface problems of, oh, I know that this is bad and this is bad and this is what wrecked my marriage and, and this is what's wrecking my personal life. So I, I've eliminated those things. But if you're not dealing with the root of the issue, I love what this one pastor says, you, you never remove an idol from your heart, you just replace it. You never really remove You You just replace it. Here, let, let me tell you what I mean. You maybe say, Pastor, I, I just, I, I need to get more healthy and I need to lose weight. And that, that's a good thing, right? Lose weight, get more healthy. But then what happens is we get obsessed with working out. We get obsessed with health. So what we've done is we've, we've removed one aisle and just replaced it with, an aisle, with another. If Christ is not the center of my heart, something else will be. So we overcome the death sentence that, I'm, 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 that sin leads to death only through Christ. I need to take ownership. I need to ask for forgiveness. Jesus says in Luke 5.32, he says, I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinner to repentance. Paul even says in Acts 20.21, 20, where he says, testifying to both Jew and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. See, if I repent... Does that mean I will never make another mistake again? Of course you will. You're, you're, you're going to make another mistake in your life. You will. That doesn't mean you're perfect. Does that mean I'll never be tempted? No way. You're going to be tempted the rest of your life. You are. You're going to be tempted. And so the way I deal with that temptation is I've got to get to the root of my heart and know what my weaknesses are. And that's where Christ comes into the picture. Because greater is he that's within me than he that's within the world. There's no temptation that is so great that could ever seize man that's not common to man. That God has not made a way of an escape through his son, Jesus Christ. See, now you have a way out. Now you have Jesus Christ. So when that temptation comes, it's not your willpower. It's not picking yourself up. It's not going to another meeting and saying, you know what? I have Jesus Christ in my life. And that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in me. So bring it on, Satan. Bring it on. Because I'm not going to fight you in my strength. 
I have Christ within me now who overcame your works and defeated the works of the enemy through his work on the cross. Do you believe that? See, there's some of you here today and you're struggling with the same sins and the same habits and you became a Christian. You're frustrated. You're like, Pastor, um, I'm frustrated with this because, because I keep giving in and I, I, keep, I, I keep... Listen, let, let, me just, let, me, let me just encourage you. First of all, Jesus is your deliverer and I believe he can deliver you from alcohol, from porn addiction. From, I, I've seen it over... I, I know he can do it. Amen? He can do it. But here's the struggle. Here's the thing. That doesn't mean you're never going to struggle with it again the rest of your life. So, so you need to you need to kind of you need to kind of go easy on yourself a little bit to say, listen, that doesn't mean I'm never going to struggle with it again. That when you do struggle with it and you do are you are tempted by it, that you don't let guilt and condemnation rule your heart. Right. That doesn't mean you give into it because we know what sin does. It, it will it will eventually destroy you. But the word of God says there's a way of escape that we have through Christ Jesus now that allows us to to overcome that temptation now through Christ Jesus, even though that temptation comes to us because Christ was tempted in every way that we're tempted yet without sin. So we do have a faithful high priest that understands everything that we go through yet without sin. So we can find grace and mercy in our time of need when we feel those times of temptation coming in our life. See, that's what the family of God is all about, that when you feel weak, and you're struggling with something, that's when you call your friend and the Lord and say, you know what, I'm struggling this week. I just feel weak. I'm emotional. I'm whatever you are, whatever causes your temptation to come. We all have bad weeks, amen? And we all have those down times and we're all vulnerable at times that, that can easily set us up for temptation where the enemy can sweep in. That's where the family of God comes in. That's when you don't pull yourself away from church. Get yourself in here. All the more. All the more, instead of pulling back, saying, well, I'm kind of embarrassed to call my friend. You know, dealing with this thing, I'm kind of embarrassed of what they're going to say. What? That's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. That's when you come into the fellowship of God and the fellowship of other people and you say, you, I, I need you to pray for me. I need you to lay hands on me. I'm struggling with this thing and I need help and I don't want to give any footstool, any room for the enemy so that I can be strong in him. Amen? That, listen, listen. That's why I tell you the weakest moments for me are on Sunday afternoons. The weakest moments for, for this reason. I put, I'll be honest, I put my whole heart into delivering a message. I don't write Saturday night specials for you guys. These messages are written weeks in advance and then I can pray over them and really let God do what he needs to do through his word. And Sunday afternoon, what happens is I will go through and did I say the right thing? Did I offend somebody? Did I do? And I'm going, and Kathleen's like, what are you? Barton, just relax. Just let God do what he needs to do through his word, right? That's a weak area for me. That's why when you pray for me, pray for me on Sunday afternoon. Because I don't know what it is. I don't know if the enemy just comes in and just wants to play, you know, ping pong with my mind, right? And just let me think of all these things. Oh, did you do the right thing? Did somebody get offended? Why didn't that person come back here? Why did that person leave early? I'll tell you, it, it's, it's, Right? Have you ever felt that way? Why did that person pass me and not say hi? How come they didn't call me back? Why didn't they text me back? Why didn't they t- return my email right away? Because I emailed them and they didn't email me and they didn't text me. Are they mad at me? Did something go wrong? Did I do something? Did I find Right? How many pa- do I- Am I the only one that ever feels that way? Okay, good. So you know what I'm talking about, right? 
And man, I tell you what, your mind can do crazy things. I love it. Child explains it this way with battling with our nature. Child explains it this way. Two men live in my heart. The old Adam and Jesus. When temptation knocks at the door, someone has to answer. If I let Adam answer, I will sin. So I send Jesus to answer. He always wins. Some of you here today, what you've allowed yourself to do is to morph into your depression or, you, or, or into your sadness, into your discouragement. And um, that's put you in a very, a very bad place, a very precarious place in your walk with the Lord. And, and, and what, what Christ tells you today is to come out from that. What, what he tells you today is don't hide under that rock. Don't, don't hide under that. Expose it for what it is and let me bring the healing to your life. Put your name on it. Just admit it, that you've made mistakes. Put your name on it. Take ownership of it and watch what Christ does and watch the healing that he brings to your life when you own it. And none of us are perfect in this room and we've all made mistakes. And the worst thing that we can do as Christians is, is pretend and play pretend Christianity and pretend this and we pretend everything's good and oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, every... No, it's not. Let's just admit that our lives stink at times, okay? Let's just admit it. It's not great all the time. Yeah, I have family problems. I have these problems. It's not great all the time. But we, I think we want to perpetuate this image that everything's okay because then it makes us feel like our Christian walk is not a struggle and that we have everything together because we want to give people this image that we don't struggle. Where do we ever get that? Where in the Word of God do we find that? Nowhere. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens, right? So let's be the church. And, 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 and for you that are struggling, listen, this is your time to reach out to other people and say, I'm struggling and I need help. And, and allow a brother or sister in the Lord to minister to you. But most of all, take it to Christ and allow him to bring the healing and the redemption that he desires to bring in her heart today. Listen. We're all in this struggle together. No one is alone. And thank God that we have the victory ultimately. That, that's what James says. Ultimately, we're all going to get a victor's crown, right? For those who follow Jesus, right? It's a marathon. And we're going to trip. We're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes. But thank God it's Jesus who picks us up. Thank God it's through his grace that he brings healing and forgiveness to our lives. That's what the body of Christ should be, and that's what the body of Christ should look like. Amen? So I want you to stand. I want to pray for you before you leave this morning. Listen, this is what we're going to do. Um, let me just say this before you leave today. Um, just a couple things here. Um, we, will, we will be up front with our prayer partners. If anybody needs prayer for anything, or you just, or you just want to come forward after the service, after I dismiss you, and you just want to... Spend some time praying around the altar. The, the, the front will be open and we want to pray by yourself. That's fine. If you want someone to pray with you, we're available to pray with you. And just allow, if God's just working in your heart in an area that, that you feel he needs to work in, then by all means, allow the Lord to do that um, in your heart. And let me just share this. For those of you, I know we had to postpone the business meeting because of the snowstorm. Um, if, it, if it snows this Wednesday, I'm resigning. So I just let you know that the business meeting about me resigning. No, I'm teasing. Um, let me just tell you, I, for you that are members, I really need you to be there. I, I'm going to share my heart with you. 
And I really believe God has laid some heavy things on my heart for this church. I've been at this church going, uh, just finished my 13th year of ministry, going on 14 years. And um, um, I've really been praying and asking the Lord, God, where where do you want to take living word? What do you need to do in our heart? I believe God has... Has, has given us some specific steps that we need to take. So I would just, I know sometimes it's business and we vote on deacons and stuff and it's not the, the greatest thing in the world, but here's why I want you to come as members because I want to share my heart with you and I want to share with you what I believe God is doing in our midst and where God wants to take us. So that's, that's important to me, just as your pastor, that you would be here. So if you could do all you can to clear your schedule, we won't keep you long. But if you could do all you could to be here at 630 and clear your schedule for you that are members, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it so I can share my vision uh, with, with the membership. Amen? So, so let's pray. Lord, we, we um, come before you today. And Lord, none of us are perfect. And we thank you that Jesus is. And we thank you that even in our mistakes, even in our temptations, you are still Lord. That you are not removed from your throne or, or, or removed from our problems. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would take ownership of our lives. That, that, that the reason why we make mistakes is because the desire already lies within us and those peripheral things around us entice us to lead us astray from your will and your plan. And I pray, God, that we would be wise, that we would be discerning, that, that we would see that temptation coming down the road already because we know, okay, it's this time of the week. I know I'm frustrated. I know I'm vulnerable, and I know temptation's coming. And I know I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta put these things up in my life to guard my heart. God, I pray that we would just be discerning when it comes to that, so that those things wouldn't catch us off guard. That God, we would allow Your Holy Spirit to permeate our hearts, to reveal to us the things in our life that are deficient, the things in our lives that need to grow, and that we wouldn't bury those. But God, we would allow you to surface those things in our lives so they could be exposed, so you could deal with it, so that Satan would not have a foothold into our lives. And so God, I just pray for every person here as we battle with temptation, that we would realize that we have a Savior who is more powerful, who is greater than any temptation that can come our way. And it's through His Spirit that we can overcome and that we are overcomers. So I pray that that's the thing that we grip on to. That's the thing that we hold on to. Is that Jesus, even though you even said we're going to face trials and temptations in this world, that we should take heart because you've overcome this world. And so God, I pray that you would encourage every person in this room. And I thank you for your word. As challenging as it is, God, and sometimes as hard as it is to hear the truth, we know it's the truth that sets us free. So we want to be free in Jesus Christ. And so we thank you for your word today. And we give you the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. Go in God's grace.
said goodbye. And to all of the people 